everyone, and welcome to Drukama Radio. I'm Ahavi, and I'll be your co-host today. We're very grateful and honored to have Daishu with us today. How are you, Daishu? I'm doing very good. Thank you for having me. I look forward to talking to you. This will be a lot of fun, I'm sure. Yes, excellent. Let's begin. So today we're going to be talking about a really interesting topic, concentration and inside meditation. So to start off with, can you tell us a bit about what those terms refer to and how they relate to the path? So those two terms typically relate to a kind of seated meditation and also to a kind of waking meditation. There are ways to apply those types of practices in our waking state as well, but mostly they're referred to a seated meditation where they're trying to accomplish different goals in terms of the tools needed for the more advanced aspects of the path. So to begin with, in the most basic form, insight meditation is a process where we're going to watch observe and contemplate things that are going on within us. And in the waking version of that, we're going to contemplate, observe and watch things that are going on outside of us or in the macrocosm. Concentration meditation is specifically where we're going to focus on one anchored object and we're going to make that anchored object our single pointed focus for the sake of increasing the strength of will or increasing our ability to maintain that single pointed focus and strengthen it for more advanced practices later on. Of course, that can also be applied externally in the waking state as well. All right. Excellent. So what is the point of concentration and what are we trying to gain insight into? That's the real big question, and that's a great question. The two basic ideas of these two preliminary exercises, and like all preliminary meditative exercises, we're trying to build tools so that we can more deeply investigate the nature of our subtle body, of our subtle energies, of the subtle existence, and understand it better. Once we have the tools sharpened, for lack of a better word, to a certain degree, esoteric accomplishments on the path like self-realization and parts of dream work and parts of building certain kinds of bodies per se and using certain channels and certain kinds of energies within the body and so on and so forth. So in the beginning, insight is typically described as a kind of meditation where you would watch and there are several versions depending on which tradition and culture you go to, but typically you would watch the rising or the birthing of a thought, the idea or concept of the thought living as it's living, and then watch it dying. And in that, several things could occur. You could learn that thoughts are transient and temporal. You could learn that the ideas intertwined in the thought themselves are also transient and temporal and therefore let go of a lot of the mental aggregates or the selfing mechanism that happens to cause reaction within the body. And also it helps us later on sort of look into the deeper aspects of our process and contemplate and understand through direct experience how those processes work. So contemplation in the beginning is used for those purposes. Later contemplation becomes a much different kind of process. It's still called vipassana, I guess, is probably the most familiar term for people who are heavy meditators, but that contemplation practice goes into something that's much deeper and it involves the energy channels and it involves the winds of the body or the energies of the body, the dews, the drops, the shakti, tumo, chandali, kundalini, 
fires of the body that help to burn and remove karmas and so on and so forth. And then on the other side, concentration is obviously a major tool that needs to be used and sometimes referred to or known better as tamata. And that practice is where we're getting our purview, our focused will to be so precise that the intention of that awareness can be more productive. In other words, if I'm shooting a bow and I'm trying to aim it toward a target, the steadier my aim, the more accurate that bow will do its job of hitting the target. So on one hand, you could say that samatha or concentration exercises or practices is my preparation of aiming and the samatha or insight practices are my intention, the bow, the arrow, and my actual intention to shoot and hit a target. So they work together that way and they're both very important on the path, both on the preliminary side when we're just building them up and on the later very deep esoteric side when we're utilizing them for great changes. Wonderful. All right. So out in the spiritual communities, there are some schools that just teach mindfulness, like Vipassana, like you mentioned. So you're saying that you need both concentration and insight. Isn't it enough to just be aware and then you can go the whole way? My personal opinion on the path is that at some point, that has to go farther than just being aware of thoughts. There's more to the path than just being aware of awareness or having cognition aimed at everything happening in the body. We have to also learn to go deeper, understand deeper and penetrate thoroughly. We have to absolutely penetrate the matter at hand. And in order to do that, just being contemplative, just being aware of thoughts and just watching thoughts come and go is not enough. There are traditions that say, hey, just do that. Don't worry about anything else. And eventually you'll reach the height of self-awareness, self-realization. And I think that that idea is true in that if you continue to do that, deeper insights of the path and deeper esoteric aspects of the path will present themselves and you would then take those deeper esoteric aspects of the path and make them achievable for you. So you would inevitably be on that deeper path anyway through insight. But it is a slower process. So I think if you're just to look and become contemplative and just watch and be present and watch your thoughts and just hold that view in your waking daily life, be a much slower path, but I wouldn't say that it's a path that wouldn't lead to anywhere beneficial for sure. It would definitely lead to a beneficial place. My point is that at some time you would need to delve deeper and deeper as the more esoteric aspects of the path present themselves. And at that point you would need to understand, okay, now that I'm beyond thought, for example, now that I'm beyond thought stream, mind stream, and I'm deep into the mental aggregates themselves, what do I do with these? And now that I'm beyond thought and I've penetrated into the subtle body itself or various visual indicators of different kinds of phenomenon happening within the subtle body, what do I do with this? So there would be a need for deeper, more esoteric teaching at that point, And it would move way beyond just simple contemplation. And I don't think that whether you're in the Kabbalistic tradition, the Sufi tradition, or all the way out into the Tantric tradition, or any of the Eastern traditions, that anybody would disagree with that. I think that general teachings suggest to general masses just do contemplation for now. And when you get deeper, then find a teacher and you can go into that aspect later. I think that there's a beginner's path. I think there's an intermediary path and there's an advanced path. 
And it depends where you are in your spiritual maturation to which apply to you at this time, right? That makes a lot of sense. So you mentioned that when you get deep into concentration and contemplation, you start awakening this subtle body. And in the last podcast, you spoke about this inner fire. So is there a connection between this inner fire or this evolutionary Kundalini energy and the different stages of concentration? Absolutely. The idea here is that one aspect is to reduce the neurosis of the brain. I always like to refer to it as a neurotic state because it's actually natural, but it's sort of the way we live today in a neurosis. But as that neurotic state relaxes and the brain opens up, it then reveals to us deeper states of subtlety. And that deeper states of subtle nature or the subtle energies then give us access to those energies. And then we can utilize those energies to actually work on the esoteric path. So as the mind relaxes and the incessant nature of the neurotic mind and the mind stream and the egoic selfing networks of the mind start to relax, it slowly opens up and ripens and blooms to reveal more of the deeper underlying aspects of the subtle reality. And it can get so subtle that we can actually put ourselves into a sleep state and then go off and have dream adventures, right? So everybody has dreams and everybody can relate with that. So one side is to reduce the flurry of vibration in the mind so that it opens up, blooms and relaxes down deeply enough so that we gain access to the subtle nature of reality. And then the other is to be sharpened enough to take action and have intention on how we want to utilize those subtle aspects. In the same way that, for example, if I'm hungry in my gross physical body, and my body's hungry, it's not going to feed itself, it's going to need me to make the decision to go get an apple and bite into the apple and chew the apple and then the body will handle digestion and so on and I can continue to live. So I'm utilizing the physical body because the physical mind is in a physical vibration and everything's concurrent together. I'm physically reaching a physical apple, I'm eating the physical apple, I'm digesting the physical apple, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm doing all these things in response to the vehicle. The vehicle needs something, I then make the cognitive decision to grab an apple, eat it and then feed it and so on and so forth. As we reduce our brainwave activity and go deeper, we have access to the subtler body. And then we also have the ability to feed, for lack of a better word, or work within that subtle body. And that becomes the tool of concentration and several other points as well. But the point is, is that if I don't have the concentrativeness and I just have the contemplativeness, in other words, I can get low, but I'm not sure that I can handle staying awake or aware or penetrative in that state, then I'm not going to be able to do much. So I liken this to saying you're hungry in your physical body, but I don't really know how to use my arm very well. So I'm thrashing it about the counter and I'm knocking the apples off the counter and I can't really grab an apple to eat. It's not very effective. And I finally die of starvation. So in that example, that extreme <laughs> rare example, as we get lower in our mental vibration, we open up the subtle realms of reality. We have to have a very fine tuned concentrative nature so that we can go in and then make modifications to what I call the buttons in the body. And inside of the body, there are various winds and channels and centers and spaces that can be modified, manipulated and worked with in order to generate certain conditions that are conducive to our perception, our evolution and the way that we live our lives. 
maybe some of our listeners are wondering, like, maybe have I hit some concentration state or have I opened any of these centers? So are there like a specific indicators that show that maybe you have actually reached a certain level of concentration? There are many indicators, actually. And in our particular practice, we know exactly when those indicators come up once the preliminary stages are accomplished. So once a practitioner gets through that instrument sharpening or instrument enhancing process where you've gotten pretty concentrative and pretty contemplative and all of the other aspects, the energy channels are cleaned and clear, we begin to work with the inner energy, sometimes referred to as kundalini or pranashakti or chandali or tumo. And we begin to work with that energy in order to have the ability to influence other aspects of the subtle body. And all of those practices have very defined indicators to let you know exactly where you are and exactly what you should expect to see and experience as you go down that process. For example, you know, we have a red solar channel, a blue central channel, and a white lunar channel. And these channels function from the navel and the outside red and white channels go up to the nostrils and then flip over to the other sides of the brains and they kind of crisscross. And then from there down, the central channel goes and splits in the front and the back becoming black and yellow that flow out into the sexual organ and the anus and so on and so forth. So all these channels exist in the body. We want to get low enough to start having access to these channels and understanding that within these channels, various energies reside and move in what we call certain directions, south, southeast, southwest, some energies that move from the heart upwards, some energies that move from the heart downwards, some energies that revolve around the entire body and so on and so forth. And then there's also dues within the subtle body that we work with and collect and burn and drop. And they happen to be located in certain parts of the body, like the sexual centers and the tummy area and the heart area and the head area, and how we work with those small beads or dews influences how our entire physiological body functions. What it does is it changes the nature by which we have control over the physical body. And that's really the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to take back control of the vehicle itself. So if I want to feel calm and relaxed, that I just simply flip some switches rather than just hope that some external stimuli will create it for me. If I want to feel blissful ecstasy, that I don't need an external source. I don't have to hunt outside of me to find an external source for that. If I want to find deep sleep, then I can easily accomplish that. If I want to achieve a very intense and wakeful dream state, I can achieve that and so on and so forth. And these modifications are really important. So if I'm feeling especially emotional and I'm feeling like maybe that I'm at a state where I have an imbalance in my emotions, when we call them rhythms, that I can just offset my elements a little bit and overcome it very easily and make the correction that needs to be made so that I don't have to create unnecessary and unwanted karma, which is just the reaction action that comes back and forth into our life and replays itself over and over again. So the ultimate goal is to reduce and remove that karmic action by understanding how to utilize the vehicle. And that process goes in two parts. One is the preliminary part, like I said earlier, the getting the instruments ready. And the other side is quite honestly the easier, more fun esoteric side where we're using those instruments to explore and express and understand how to make the vehicle run the way we want it to run, not just in this world, but all the worlds. Wow, that sounds amazing. So it sounds like <laughs> something everybody would, would want ultimate freedom. For our listeners, how do you start this process? You have to find help. And so we offer it ourselves at drukama.com, D-R-U-K-A-M-A. It's just a week or so away from launching and we're excited about that. But if you 
don't find help through us and you're looking for it yourself, find somebody who has attained or accomplished these degrees and understands them very well. And they'll be able to help you. And you'll know that you have somebody worthwhile because they'll love you like a son or daughter. And they'll definitely be overflowing with your accomplishment and have very little regard for their own needs. And if you find someone like that, then you're very blessed and fortunate. Run to that person and learn from them. Because once you understand the process of this vehicle, because that's really what the problem is in all of humanity is that we just don't understand the vehicle, what's going on within me. So instead of trying to figure out how do I work with this thing that I'm within, that I'm inside of, this body brain, we try to chase outside into the world and make changes there. Like there's errors there I have to fix. There's problems there I have to fix. And if I could only fix those problems, then everything would be great. But that never works. It never has worked. It never will work. We have to understand our own vehicle. And once we do that, we can make peaceful, contented joy a regular state, compassion and understanding a regular state. And that state would reign regardless of what outside influences were trying to influence me. And that we would have a very good human being at that point, because that person would be unshakable regardless of the macrocosmic events that are happening. They would be able to just simply be in the state they wish to be in, and no one could influence or affect that. And that would be very high level of control. And that's what we need each human to have, a high level of control with wisdom married to compassion. And if we have that then the world instantly becomes the place we all want it to be. But if we keep seeking outside, trying to fix each other and trying to fix everything we see wrong out there, our biased filters will continue to create more karma and that will continue to create more suffering because that's the wrong direction. And that's not going to help us really heal what we need to heal within. Truly wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Daishi. It was really amazing information. And I hope our listeners out there take a chance to join us at drukama.com for this really clear and delineated process of how to attain these amazing levels of conscious clarity. Thank you, Javi, for having me on. And I appreciate it. I hope you come back and I look forward to seeing you in a couple months in uh, the EU retreat there. Yeah, I look forward to seeing you too. Thank you so much. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please send us an email at radio at trukama.com. And thanks for joining us for today's show. We look forward to seeing you next time. Mm -hmm.